0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: It's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network. Helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. (laughs)
2: Week 1, just about officially in the books. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fade the Chalk podcast, presented, of course, by the FTN Network. Adam Pfeiffer here. It is Sunday night, about halftime here in the Sunday night football game between the Rams and Bears. And it's time to recap the week. It's time to recap what we saw on Sunday. It was a crazy week one. And to do all that, great friend, Joe Metz, of course. Follow Joe on Twitter, at jmetz 34 Milwaukee bucks fan he, he got that out of the way now uh the, 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 the Green Bay packers did not follow suit let's just leave it at that but obviously joe does a great does a ton of great content at ftn fantasy ftn daily ftn bets joe what's up man how was your week one other than the uh well, both our teams looked bad my team not as bad as yours but i'll leave it at that
1: yeah so i i have a theory about the packers uh before i get into that Doing well. I got absolutely steamrolled in DFS this week. I'm 100 transparent. Okay to admit that I just had way too much Mostert and, and Naji. Um, I was also very very high on the Tennessee and Arizona game stack, which you know half of it worked out, but Tennessee. Uh, so was just so, a so lot you of mean
2: stack. you thought the the Titans would score points too?
1: Yeah, I, I actually thought they would put up a lot of points, <laughs> and um, I had a lot of Julio Jones was my um, highest rostered wide receiver so that kind of sums yeah. up how my my day went
2: yeah you could see, we'll talk about the game but you could see he, he and Tannehill just they're not quite there yet but that entire yeah. that entire offense is out of sync and before we get to the games just let me let me preface this by saying it's week one yep don't don't go crazy I mean we saw that it was the island game everybody was losing their minds over Zeke Elliott and Debro tweeted like a similar thing it's like oh nobody's freaking out about Derek Henry or Aaron Jones and it's like if they were the island game, it'd be the same thing. Like good players have bad games because their offenses struggle or their entire team struggle. You know, look at the bills today. They struggled. Like it was, it was a weird week for a lot of like huge stud players. So we'll talk about it Um, before we get to the games though. Got to talk about top prop sports. I mean, you're doing a lot of great stuff with them, Joe. I I mean, why don't you talk about it? I mean, obviously if anybody's new, we've been talking about this site for a couple weeks now. Uh, They launched uh, just before the weekend. And it's it's just a way more fun way to add more competitiveness to your uh, season-long leagues. You can import them from CBS, ESPN, uh, Yahoo, doesn't matter. And you can just add a lot of more ways to win cash prizes. You can play weekly cash contests with your head-to-head uh, or with your redraft leagues, import your team, Use the promo code FTN. Sign up with your email. It's just it just adds way more, as Deeper likes to say, way more of an element of smack talk.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really unique platform. There hasn't really been one in this space. They launched for week one. Um, it, it really allows you to handicap your fantasy league. So, like, at least you know, speaking personally, a lot of my home leagues, like we'll trash talk each other throughout the week. And I'll okay. Like you want to actually bet on the matchup. And now like, there is a means aside from, you know, Venmo or PayPal, there's a means to actually have a platform to, that will handicap a line for you. And you can bet on your matchup. Um, so it's, it's a really, really cool platform. And and the really cool part about it is that like, you don't have to be in a fantasy football league to bet on it. We have an FTN right. Expert league on it, where if you sign up using promo code FTN, you get an invite to the, FTN Top Prop expertly with myself, uh, Matt Friedman, who, who works hand in hand with uh, Top Prop as well and a handful of our other sharp, sharp analysts. You can kind of just bet on the analysts you trust and like the most. It's a lot of fun and kind of puts our analysis to the test, too. It's fun.
2: All right, Joe, a lot of games to get to. Obviously, we won't be recapping the the Sunday night game because that'll be ending by the time we finish this podcast. And then there's the Monday game uh, to end the week, uh, Ravens and Raiders on Monday Night Football. So let's start with the game that I feel like had a lot of the largest fantasy fantasy implications of Sunday's action. I think that's San Francisco 41, Detroit 33. We get the news that Trey Sermon is a healthy scratch. And definitely was a little bit surprising. Nobody really mm-hmm. knows why. And then it's okay. Wheels up for Raheem Moster, right? Smash spot. Great matchup. And if he stayed healthy, probably would have done at least what Elijah Mitchell did. But uh, Moster leaves the game early with a knee injury, doesn't return. And Elijah Mitchell, who we find out after the game, apparently that Elijah Mitchell and Michael Hastie have had, had better training camps and they've kind of passed Sermon on the depth chart. Elijah Mitchell comes in, 19 carries, 104 yards and touchdown. Um, And I did the the player profile article during the offseason on Elijah Mitchell. He's got a really nice combination of size and speed to handle a, a, like a lead back workload. And it could be his way, like if Mostert misses time. So I think we got to start there. Elijah Mitchell, how how I guess how active should we be? in looking to acquire him off waivers. Now, obviously, Mostert could still be back next week. But I mean, this is a two year stretch of just Raheem Mostert missing time and time and time. And yes, Trey Sermon could be active if Mostert is out. But like if they feel more comfortable with Elijah Mitchell to, you know, have Sermon as a healthy scratch. And if Elijah Mitchell coming off this game, like he, he would still be the 1A on a really good rushing offense. So what do, what do you make of this backfield now?
1: Uh, it's San Francisco. So you always have to kind of take the back this backfield injury. is
2: always in flux every year,
1: it's every year. But what's crazy about this backfield, like you said, it's in flux every year, but there's new names every year. Like it's like a revolving door. they like, Mostert yeah. has been a constant for about three years, but the, the issue that's also been a constant has been his injury history. Like he's always been a very high yards per attempt, yards per carry guy. I mean, two carries 20 yards today on his third touch. He leaves the game. Um, I don't, so I'm kind of torn here. Like I'm quick preview. I'm I'm writing up, you know, three of my top waiver wire priorities tomorrow. It'll drop on FTM fantasy. Elijah Mitchell is in one of that is in, is one of those, excuse me. It's, I, I think we're being conservative targeting him. I don't think he's like a smash priority simply because like when Mostert left the game, he was questionable to return and they didn't actually rule him out until the third quarter. And at the time, you know, San Francisco was up 38 to 10. So at that point, they're, they're probably like, you know what? Like we have this in the bag. We don't want to risk furthering most injury. It might've been a stinger. It might've just been like a mild hypersension. I don't, I don't know, but obviously with a player with his injury history, you want to be a little more conservative, but then all of a sudden the the Mayans just come out of nowhere um, and and steam back and, and end up losing by only eight, but, they also rode well with Jam- um excuse me, not Jamaika Hasty, uh, Elijah Mitchell. So I, I think even if Mostert comes back, I feel like Kyle Shanahan's gonna have a hard time spelling Elijah Mitchell after what he saw. I, granted, it was one of the league worst run defenses, but again, like you said.
2: Yeah, but coaches don't Kyle care well about that. Like, like fantasy players like us a lot of times will say yeah, but it was against the Lions. Yeah, but it was against yeah. the Jaguars. Like and and I talk about this a lot when we look at end of season stretches last year for Jonathan Taylor and Dave M- like coaches don't give a shit who they played against. You're looking at just the film, how they looked, their production. Um but yeah, I mean like there's a chance Elijah Mitchell is somebody spends like 60 to 70% of their fab budget on him and it yeah. backfires. But I also think there's clearly a chance with Mostert's injury history and Jeff Wilson not being healthy now in the first place that he could be kind of like what Raheem Mostert was when Mostert broke out. I mean, I know Raheem Mostert was undrafted. Elijah Mitchell, I believe, was a sixth round. So kind of the same same stratosphere. I think it's very interesting. And then you have the whole Brandon Iuk situation.
1: That was weird. Like, like He was what the fourth wide receiver to take the field.
2: Yeah, he played 26 snaps in this game. Didn't Didn't have a target, didn't have any production, no statistics at all for Brandon Ayuk. I had a lot of concerns about Brandon Ayuk, where he was going in drafts before yep. the season. Just thought there was... He was being a good player, but he was being overdrafted because he's in a low-volume passing offense with D-Bone Kittleback. He only averaged just over five targets per game with those guys healthy last year. Now, after the game, Kyle Shannon comes out and says that the, the reason... Brandon Ayuk barely played in this game was a Trent Shurfield. They said had a really good camp and, and they, they liked his ascension. I think was the was the exact quote. Okay. And then they also mentioned that Ayuk missed I think 10 days of practice time over the last week or so two weeks or whatever that would have made no sense past couple weeks with his hamstring injury. Okay. I'm still concerned because I feel like he could have easily just said you know what Ayuk missed 10 days with the hamstring in practice. We didn't want to overdo it. Whatever, but he the fact that he kind of Trent talked Shirt, up Trent Sherfield, not to mention Kittle was Kittle in this game in terms of Yak four for seventy eight. Debo was great. I'm concerned about Brendan Ayuk, and I already was before season a little bit, mainly where he was being drafted. But I'm pretty concerned.
1: I mean, he played forty seven percent of the snaps, ran routes on thirty seven percent of those. Like he, even when he was on the field. He wasn't very active. Like they didn't design plays to get him the ball. Um, you know, Debo Samuel obviously had a massive, massive game. And I, you know, the concerns that you expressed about Ayuk, I kind of had those concerns about the entire 49ers passing offense, maybe, maybe outside of Kittle, just because, like you said, the low volume, I think they were all being drafted at their ceilings. But what we saw from Debo Samuel. I don't think he's going to get 12 targets every game, but if he becomes a focal point on the wide receiver core, you know that George Kittle is going to soak up targets. There's really not many to go around, and if they believe in this ascension that was Trent Shurfield, especially if Trey Lance takes over, because one, Trey Lance, like that 80-yard bomb in in the preseason was to Trent Shurfield, and that was the receiver that he developed the most rapport with. Lo and behold, Trey Lance attempts one pass, a five-yard touchdown to Trent Shurfield in this game. That could also shift things into Sherfield's favor, which could incur Good point. damage. Iu like I, I don't. It's a little concerning. I, I I don't like. I would not feel confident rostering him as my like starting him as my wide receiver three right now. And that that might seem like an overreaction, but I just he was already volatile as it is, and this just kind of piles on.
2: Yeah, I mean Debo's targets in this game were like absurd. He had twelve of the team's twenty three targets. It's obviously not happening again. But look, and, I mean,
1: yeah. Some he got some down.
2: He, his touchdown was a downfield target. We don't, we don't usually see that from Debo Samuel.
1: No, he's so, usually the yards
2: after the catch guy, which he did. Dude, his yards, his yards before the catch perception last year was negative. Correct. So, he like, if he's getting downfield him. targets on top of, like, they're going to give him jet sweeps and touch, like, that could be very interesting for Debo. Uh, and I've always been a huge yeah. Debo fan. Yeah. Uh, again, with, similar with. I feel like this entire offense just has to stay healthy. George Kittle didn't have to do much in this game, but like always, he's efficient. He's just not going to have the, the target upside of Travis Kelsey, of Darren Waller, but four for 78, you're starting him every week. Don't need to touch on that. Let's go to the Lions. Um, we we did get a report before the game that Jamal Williams would start and handle like the main workload. Mm-hmm. He did start, and it was kind of a split, right? Williams, nine for 54 on the ground. DeAndre Swift, 11 for 39. Um, both score in this game. Swift had a really nice 43 uh, yard receiving touchdown where he caught like a screen, had plenty of blockers and then made a guy miss. This usage is very interesting for this team because we knew going into the season, the lions receivers were not good. And this team would be Deandre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. Yep. And that's what we saw in this game. I mean, Hawkinson, not eight for 97 and a score on 10 targets. I believe he had a two point conversion as well. Uh, Deandre Swift, 11 targets in this game. The, the Lions running backs in this game, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, I mean, they combined in this game for 20 targets I just wrote it down in my articles, 20 targets was 36% of their targets in this game. That number, maybe not sustainable, but the philosophy of this offense, Jared Goff is going to throw to the running backs all year. Last year, in a better offense with the Rams, when you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett, he was bottom five in dot in yards, intended air yards per attempt. And again, you saw it in this game. He His average, his yards per attempt were at, what, 5.9 in this game. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a situation where DeAndre Swift, the offense is bad. I get it. But he caught eight passes in this game. They were obviously trailing. They're going to be trailing a lot. He's getting high value touches. DeAndre Swift could have 90 catches this year. Um, is this Yo, offense so- just Swift and PPR You're starting every week? Hawkins you're starting every week. And then Jamal Williams is a viable flex. Like he got 17 touches in this game. He had eight catches. That's the thing. And like, obviously a lot of his and DeAndre Swift's touches, especially
1: in the passing game, were driven by that comeback. But like you said, they're going to be trailing far more often than they're going to be leading. I kind of think, you know, we might not see 20 combined targets out of the backfield every game, but if you look at the distribution of targets on this team, I kind of think those top three will be a constant every game. I don't think Quintez Cephas will be the top target wide receiver every game. I think we'll see more Amon Ra, St. Brown. I Tyrell is I don't I never knew I never really understood why some people were so high on him late in drafts. You know, I understand that Brashad Perriman got cut, but like you mentioned, Derek Goff has never been a player to push the ball down the field. And that's exactly where Tyrell thrives. So I think someone like Amon Ra when he does start to branch out to the receivers more um, we'll, we'll benefit more from there. But again, like I said, I, I think you can start both running backs and obviously Hawkinson on a week to week basis and be comfortable. I think the biggest takeaway from this game, DeAndre Swift handled the full workload, looked healthy. And he looked like when he was running, he was running with confidence and power. Like he was cutting, he was barreling through people. Like he, he didn't look like he was, has been nursing a soft tissue injury, which I think that is probably the biggest win the Lions walk away with.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. And like you said, didn't, have any setbacks or anything so exactly nice to see there the lions um they're gonna face a pissed off green bay team on sunday night football next week but (laughs) packers bottom five in fantasy points and receiving yards per game allowed to running backs last year they gave it up to tony jones and obviously alvin Kamara today it is a jamal Um, williams
1: revenge game too if you really want to take that into account
2: um showdown (laughs) 100 percent jamal williams Shout out David Jones. <laughs> Jamal Williams danced when the initially, like he had a dance uh, in yeah. the end zone when he scored when they're initially getting crushed, and I smiled because he's the GOAT. I love um, Jamal Williams. How can you not? Yeah. Um All right, Eagles 32, Falcons six. This was a real when this game first started, it was like, okay, we're gonna have a back and forth shootout here. It's gonna be fun. And then the Falcons never did a thing again. Um, Jalen Hurts was really good in this game. Statistically, yeah. sure. If you go back and watch this game, if you have time, he looked really good, like really good. Twenty-seven to thirty-five for two sixty-four and three touchdowns, and he had sixty-two rushing yards with on seven carries. um Look, this is the upside, right? And there's games where he might even have more upside than this. He's a, he's a, been a lock for sixty rushing yards pretty much every game since he started at towards the end of last season. He made some great throws on the run in this game. He showed great touch on the touchdown pass to Devonta Smith, who we'll talk about. Um, anything that like you're starting Jalen hurts probably most weeks, unless you like paired him with like a veteran quarterback, like Stafford or Brady or something. But I mean, he looked awesome in this game, like really, really good.
1: I'll be honest. I'm starting him every week. I don't care. Who my other quarterback is like, I've been on the hurts train all off season. Um, he, so this is now his fifth start in the NFL in all five games. He has either topped 60 rushing yards or recorded a rushing touchdown. Like obviously he had 62 rushing yards today. Um, I think, and, 264 in the air, I think is a very reasonable expectation. And two of his four starts last year, he topped 300 yards. I think people are are, are still underselling the upside here. I think this game can serve as a solid baseline, you know, maybe add a turnover every here, every now and then, but like he has legitimate top five quarterback upside in fantasy. I I, This is an Atlanta team that really struggles in the secondary. They're a pass funnel defense. I understand that. But the fact that he opens up so much for the rest of the team too, like with the RPO plays and stuff, like because he will—I mean, he can house one on any carry—that will then in turn benefit Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, who obviously we'll talk about who got a, a good chunk of work. He just does so much for this offense, and he looks confident. I'm, I'm all aboard until the wheels fall off. Like, I absolutely love Jalen Hurts, and this was so cool to see because he really silenced a lot of critics.
2: Oh, he was great—the touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard, absolute laser beam on the run. Oh, yeah. He looked awesome. A
1: beautiful catch, too.
2: Yeah. He, like, he looked amazing in this game. Um, Miles Sanders, one of those players in the offseason I was kind of afraid I was going to be wrong about. And he doesn't score in this game. He gets a two-point conversion, but 19 touches, four catches for 39 yards. That was a concern about the pass volume. Mm-hmm. You like to see it. The Eagles weren't really pass-heavy in this game, too. Like, they were obviously in control for a lot of it, but they went pretty pass-heavy. But Sanders has 15 carries. It appears Kenneth Gainwell, though, who I... I loved coming out of college. Absolutely loved him out of Memphis. Boston Scott didn't play in this game.
1: Is Kenneth Gainwell going to be the, the end zone running back here, the goal line back? That's what I think is going to happen.
2: I don't know. I mean, he got the he got the goal line touchdown in this game, but nine carries. Yeah. I mean, he, had, he he had eleven touches in this game. I mean,
1: they, they ran the ball. They they had sixty. I mean, they had sixty six opportunities. They ran the ball thirty one times. In addition to yeah, they passes. they
2: dominated the um
1: time of possession. Yeah, time possession much.
2: and the plays, especially like in after the first half, like the the Eagles D line like just dominated the second half of this game, and the Falcons just couldn't get anything going again on offense. But yeah, I mean, G- Gainwell might go overlooked in terms of waivers because everybody's going to go to Elijah Mitchell, but. He's, I mean, Boston Scott didn't play in this game. Like, and he wasn't a healthy scratch. He just didn't play a snap.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm torn on whether it was, you know, the effectiveness of Sanders, Hurts, and Gainwell out of the backfield that just, you know, they didn't need Boston Scott, but I think there is reason for concern. I, I don't, I mean, no one's going to pick him up on the waiver wire. If he's there, I would leave him. But, you know, if you're in a deeper league, I wouldn't necessarily say to drop him yet. Um, This is a backfield I think you're going to have to kind of watch week by week though, because there is so much that can develop.
2: Yeah. Um, Devonta Smith, have to like what you see here. Six for 71 and a touchdown. He has eight targets in this game. It leads the team. I mean, again, you don't want to overreact to one week. But is he, for me, he's still in that like wide receiver three.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
2: He's a great flex and a really really strong wide receiver three. And you like that he leads the team in targets in the first game. You like that he gets the end zone target. Um, He had, what, 25% of the targets in this game. Uh, Nice to see that from Devonta Smith. What about the tight ends here? Dallas Goddard scores. You look at the usage. Uh, Goddard played, I think, 73% of the snaps. Ertz Ertz was at 57%. But Ertz did miss some time in the third quarter. He left with an injury. did come back. This is like a fifty-fifty split, so like, it's hard.
1: I mean, the, the position is a wasteland. So, like, if you have Goddard, you're probably not benching him.
2: You're either. Um, I think you're playing him, or you or you try to sell high. I, I don't agree. hate the idea of selling high. It's just who are you going to play tight end? Then you know. I agree.
1: Like, I mean, people are going to rush to the waiver wire to grab Juwan Johnson. I would probably. <sighs> I still feel more confident right now in Dallas Goddard, but like he's one yeah. of those. I don't have the end, numbers, I but I one. want to see
2: the routes for the Saints tight ends. We'll talk about that I, game yeah, soon. But.
1: Yeah, I do too. I, I think, I think Goddard is still a back end tight end one, but I think he's one of those back end tight ends that could very well be lapped by someone like a Juwan Johnson or, you know, John Smith starts to
2: take off. Someone like mm-hmm. that could very easily kind of leapfrog him. Anything stand out from the Falcons. I mean, Kyle Pitts, he, he, he and Hayden Hurst both played like almost the same amount of snaps. Uh, Pitts and Calvin Ridley both had eight targets. It was looking like it was going to be a monster game from Calvin Ridley early. He had like three, for, three 30 for 30. In the opening drive. I think it was
1: three for 37 on the first drive.
2: Yeah, it was looking like it was going to be absolute monster game from Ridley. And then, like I said, the Falcons offense completely fell apart. Um, I'm just going to like I'm gonna, just going to stop. Like if you're worried about Calvin Ridley, like trade yeah. him to me. I'll take him. Uh, He'll be fine. Pitts, like everybody's going to either say, oh, Kyle Pitts, I told you he's overrated or it's just one game. I'm in the belief of the latter. Uh, But maybe Hayden Hurst is going to play more than we thought. And then Mike Davis uh, gets the start at running back. No surprise there. 18 touches. Cornell Patterson was the RB2, though. Wayne Gallman was a healthy scratch. Patterson played a good amount of snaps and actually had seven carries and, and two receptions. So I'm not saying to pick him up, but maybe keep an eye out on him in deeper leagues, too. He, You know, seven. You know, seven carries, fifty four yards, not bad.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I also the only other takeaway, you know, Mike Davis is never going to be a high yard per carry guy. He he wasn't last year. He thrived in the passing. But I mean, eighteen touches, twenty one opportunities like that. If, if we can expect that going forward, I, I still feel okay with him as my RB two.
2: I'm just wrapped up my uh, IDP CBS league matchup with a Cooper cup, like 50 yard touchdown. So that's fun to watch as you just had Cooper cup,
1: just had a 50 yard touchdown. It was
2: a, yeah, it was about five minutes ago.
1: Oh, um, I have him in our, I have him and Stafford in our FTN Superflex league. Nice. Right. I'm getting
2: crushed in that league. So I think Daniel Caleb. Kelly,
1: who started Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you want to talk about getting crushed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so tilting. So tilting. Speaking of tilting. Imagine losing by 16 and giving up 37 points to Houston Texans. Because that's what Jacksonville did in Urban Meyer's (laughs) debut. 37-21 Houston. What a weird game. First of all, Mark Ingram had 26 carries in this game. That that might be the most shocking stat of the entire year when we look back on it. He had 26 carries and three
1: running backs for Houston score.
2: Yeah, like after just... Don't touch this backfield. Don't touch this backfield. Crazy. 26 carries for Ingram. But like he, David Johnson, Lindsay all played 20 plus snaps. Johnson was cl- clearly the, the passing downs back. Is this, is this a simple case of rare game where Houston was dominant and, and winning They're trailing most games fade, the running back still, because they got Houston, they got Cleveland next week against that defensive front. They should be trailing. I, I'm, if you want to, pick up Mark Ingram or start him. If you have them, good luck. The only thing I'll add to this team, I thought Tyrod did play good in this game and yep. it's a friendly reminder. Yes, it's Jacksonville, but Tyrod's going to be good enough for Brandon cooks to still be a top 35 receiver at worst. Um, five for one thirty-two for Brandon cooks in this game. And by the way, Jacksonville, I wrote about it in some of the articles talked about in the podcast. They allowed 10 different receivers to go for a hundred yards against him. Last year it was the most in the NFL, including Brandon cooks. They're off to a good start here.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Obviously, this backfield was the biggest takeaway. I again, I'll I'll hit on that the waiver wire piece. I'm doing Mark Ingram is not like a priority for me. He's like you know he fits into that like other section if you just need some running back depth. But I think context that you hit on here is very important. Like this was a rare game where they are dominating. They weren't favored in this game. Um, Cleveland is one of the toughest run defenses in the league. He's if if a running back is going to benefit next week, it's going to be David Johnson, but. You know, Houston has some of these outlier games and Mark Ingram, at least right now, looks like the back that will benefit. I think I, I don't know if I would consider him a like confident flex play, but if you are hurting for running back depth, I will not blame you if you, if you go spend some fab on on Mark Ingram. I, I, yeah I, I mean especially I, I, like 26 carries i can't fault someone for
2: especially that. halfway through the season if he's still the guy there and other running backs are yeah. missing time or bye weeks whatever Correct. Exactly. um jacksonville pretty up and down game from trevor lawrence they had a lot of drops in this game he showed why he was the number one pick he also showed why he's you know still has room to grow he's still a rookie um this team, I understand they had, were trailing, and you see 51 pass attempts. They were going pass-heavy regardless. They didn't run they run the ball until like a minute left in the first quarter. Um, and you look at the usage. I'll take the swing and miss on James Robinson here. I was high on him in DFS, mostly on FanDuel because of his price over there. But five carries to Hyde's nine. They both played in terms of snaps. They are pretty close to each other. Robinson, you'll take the three catches for 29 yards, but... What worried
1: well, me is that Robinson didn't record his first carry until the second quarter.
2: Right, like Hyde got the. It, it was weird. Uh, I,
1: I don't know what to make of it. It it definitely does worry me because I mean I know we're talking about how much Houston is going to be trailing games. You know Jacksonville is was one in fifteen. They're not going to be leading many games either.
2: So I mean they, they just lost by sixteen to the to the team that was voted probably by most as the consensus worst team in football. So correct not sure they're in a good situation there in Jacksonville um yeah like there were, I talked about it on the DFS episode like there's a couple spots where you're probably feeling great about starting James Robinson this year I thought this would be one of them that didn't work out so it's like how what are those spots you're going to feel great about starting him especially with Carlos Hyde splitting yeah. the carries if not getting more carries um the receivers, I think this team is going to be bad enough and throw enough to where Chark, Marvin Jones, and, and LaVisca Chenault are all going to be really good, like really, really viable flex options each week. Chark gets the 41-yard touchdown on 12 targets. Marv scores late in the game, which had everybody that didn't play Marvin DFS tilted. Even if I didn't play Marvin DFS, I would still have been happy because, duh. But um, 12 for Chark in terms of targets, 9 for Marv, 9 for LaVisca Chenault. Um, LaVisca was really the short area target, which you'd expect like under five yards per target. I think it was for him. Jones, more deep downfield stuff, and Chark was massive. I think he had almost like 200 air yards in this game. So I was
1: gonna say, so, so Tyreek Hill topped the league this week with 235 air yards. DJ Chark was second with 195.
2: Yeah and he went he he was falling at the end of the redraft season because of the injury and because he didn't play in the preseason so yep i think these like these three receivers are all going to have good weeks um just you love the the overall targets um is there anything you want to say about them i mean i think like i said you don't love them if they're your second or third receiver but as a flex in PPR leagues they're like they're like higher end flexes in my opinion
1: yeah, I agree. I think I like I this is kind of the usage I expected out of all three receivers. I think Charks volume was a bit higher, but I think they're all worthy starts week in and week out, uh, especially given the projected game script going forward for Jacksonville.
2: All right, let's move on to one of the crazier games of the afternoon. Bengals win an overtime thriller over the Vikings, 27 to 24. Um Adam Thielen, man, the touchdown rate was absurd last year. And what does he do he in week one? The same. <laughs> Two touchdowns. The yardage, though. Remember, he when Jefferson started to break out that uh, last year, Thielen's yardage was terrible. And he has 92 yards in this game. Team high, 10 targets. Jefferson, by the way, you look at his game, 5 for 71, you'll take it. He was like an inch, and he pr- might have even scored on that play. So, like, if that's a touchdown, you look at his day a little bit differently. I don't think anybody's worried about Jefferson, obviously, though. But this offense, right? Kyle Rudolph moves on to the Giants. Irv Smith, they expect huge things from him in this season. Obviously out for the year now. The Vikings went a lot more three wide in this game with K.J. Osborne, who had nine targets and caught seven for 76 yards. Probably going to see a lot more three wide from this team with Irv Smith out like we saw today. Um, but anything on the receivers, like, are you saying, okay, Thielen's 30, wrong side of 30, crazy efficiency. Do, do you want to sell high? Or are you just saying, you know what? Maybe we just need to stop trying to write Adam Thielen off and understand he's a really good player who's going to score a lot of touchdowns.
1: That's kind of exactly where I fall. I think I'm kind of done making up reasons why Thielen won't succeed. Um, He's not going to be that target hog that we saw in 2019. But he has a very clearly defined role as the touchdown receiver in Minnesota, and the presence of Justin Jefferson is really what allows him to do that. He's going to be open, like he's going to continue to score because teams can't afford to double Adam Thielen anymore because you have one, you have the the receiver that just set the rookie receiving record on the other side of the field. Like you cannot leave him open. So I, I think Adam Thielen is still a very solid wide receiver too. Um, I'm not really worried. I don't want to say Justin Jefferson had a you know, lackluster game. Um, I mean, he was completely robbed of a touchdown, but I think Jefferson will be fine. Cousins and
2: missed him late on a lot of throws too. It was kind of tilting. He did.
1: He did. Um, but the, the important part there is that you know he's still being targeted. Like he's not. His role is not going anywhere. Both these receivers are going to continue to produce. Um, you know, I you you mentioned Irv Smith being out Tyler Conklin, I think filled in admirably and kind of just how we expected four for 41. That's a very standard tight end stat line, but I think it's probably one we can expect going
2: forward. Dalvin cook. I mean, not the greatest game, but he just is going to get 25 to 26 to like, he's going to get 25 touches every game. Um, With chunk
1: yard. The one thing he had a lot of chunk yardage in this game too. And that's like, he has game breaking ability. Um, I think 20 for 61 is probably an outlier on the lower end for him.
2: Yeah. Um. Speaking of huge workloads, Joe Mixon, I'll, I'll take the L on this one, too. Completely was off him in DFS. I thought the Vikings run defense was going to be great in this game. And Mixon was great. I mean, we knew the workload was going to be there, right? He has 33 of the, I think it was 39 um, running back touches in this game. He goes for 127 rushing yards and a touchdown adds 23 receiving yards on four catches. I mean, very, very polarizing players, Joe Mixon. I mean, I really don't have anything to say. Like as long as he's healthy and on the field, he's going to get the rock and, and the Bengals went pretty run heavy compared to what we were accustomed to, uh, to seeing from them since the start of last season. So Mixon, you're starting him every week. Um, Burrow, Tough start this game, but he bounced back nicely. Hit Jamar Chase for a fifty-yard touchdown. Who, oh, wow, shocking! Jamar Chase can catch the ball after all. I'm stunned. <laughs> it's almost as if we shouldn't care about drops for for how anybody many, really. How many times records.
1: are we going to say that? Like that's it's just so fr- like Jamar Chase, Ceedee Lamb, Deontay Johnson are probably the three most talked about wide receivers in terms of drops right now. All three scored in week one. All three, uh, Ceedee Lamb, did not lead the team in targets. CeeDee Lamb, double digits, Jamar Chase, Deontay Johnson led the team. In targets. Like, what, what, it just doesn't make sense. The argument does not make sense to me.
2: Yeah. So you love to see that from Chase, though. Oh, yeah. um, T. Higgins, probably other than Marvin Jones, in my opinion, the easiest play on DraftKings to, uh, on Sunday. He goes it's for 458 and a touchdown. Um, he Look, he's been – that end zone role has kind of been his since uh, he came if, on.
1: Him and Burrow have a, have a really, really – Good connection.
2: Yeah. And he was about a yard and a half shy of a second touchdown, too. He stepped out of bounds. So uh, Tyler Boyd was the disappointment in this game. But again, they only threw 27 times, which if you told me Joe Burrow was going to throw 27 times in most games this year, I'd I'd say that's probably not happening. But the running game was clearly working. Um, Tyler Boyd's still going to be like a a safe, like wide receiver three in PPR, kind of in that same range we talked about Jacksonville receivers, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to win you weeks most likely, but. Uh, he'll be better than this in games where Burrow throws thirty-five to forty times, which will happen this year. Um, anything else from this game?
1: No, I think you nailed it.
2: All right, Seattle twenty-eight, Colts sixteen. I, I, I wanted. I forgot to tweet it out, but I'm starting to wonder, like, at what point do we start to rank Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett in terms of like best quarterback receiver tandems in the league history? They're obviously not like top five or anything, but like. It's just every year now with these two, ridiculous. It's, just,
1: it's this is just so reminiscent of, you know, Russell Wilson
2: and Doug Baldwin. Um, yeah, and they're better than that. Like they, oh, oh yeah, oh Ty yeah, Ty easily and then surpassed it's Doug Baldwin. Absolutely no discredit to Doug Baldwin either. Um, this is the most. By the way, this is the most. This is the most Russell Wilson game ever. Twenty-three pass attempts. Seattle was in control of this game for most of it. Eighteen completions, two hundred fifty-four yards, and four touchdowns.
1: Perfect passer rating. or It's uh, not just perfect. the efficiency. Yeah.
2: Lockett, the amazing over-the-shoulder touchdown catch. He has two touchdowns in this game. Four for 100. Metcalf, slow start, but then he gets going four for 60 and a touchdown. Um, Gerald Everett scored in this game. Now, he and Will Disley kind of split snaps and routes, so Everett could be very disappointing at times. But again, that's tight end when he gets that range. He didn't have much, but he scored, so he, he saved you. Um, I don't have anything to say about this team other than Chris Carson. He had, I think, 23 or not 23 touches, 19 19 of the 23 touches at running back and dominated the snaps. Rashad Penny left this game with an injury, didn't return. Alex Collins was a healthy scratch. So if Penny's inactive next week, should see Alex Collins active for Seattle. But it was clearly Chris Carson's backfield, 5.7 yards per carry, 91 yards on 16 carries. I've said it for years. He's still the most underrated running back in the NFL.
1: This is uh very similar to the the whole drop argument. Like at what point are people just going to stop finding reasons why you shouldn't draft Chris Carson? Every year it's oh Rashad Penny's here, oh Alex Collins here, oh Christine Michael's here. Like at what point are you just gonna sit here and say, Okay, like these backups are gonna get a couple carries, but Chris Carson is one of the most effective backs year in and year out that never gets
2: drafted where he should? I think Justin he will Fields. To I'm sorry. Well, you're, what happened? What happened? Justin Fields just ran for a touchdown.
1: Oh boy, Andy Dalton's done.
2: See, ya. love to see it. That's love amazing. to see it. Andy Dalton's done. He has to be done. I mean, he was done when that, before that game even started.
1: Oh yeah, correct. He, they, I mean, they did this to throw him to the wolves. That's just what they did. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I mean, back to Seattle. Like the only thing holding this team back is whether or not. They are just allowed to do what they want. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like if they like the, the saying, like, you know, if they let Russ cook, this team is going to go places. So I, they didn't necessarily quote unquote, let Russ cook this game. They also control the game in time of possession from literally from start to finish. They didn't need to. Um I, I mean, this is probably the, the least amount of points this defense has given up in quite some time.
2: Yeah. I mean, they were better in the second half last year, but they were good in this game. Right. They got a lot of pressure on Wentz. Um, Speaking of wins, two touchdowns. Uh, you know nothing crazy in this game. I wanna, we got to talk about the backfield though. Jonathan Taylor has twenty uh, three touches in this game, six catches for sixty yards. Jonathan Taylor was second on this team in targets, so seven. Naheem Hines was first with eight. And Marlon Mack didn't play a snap in this game. He wasn't a healthy scratch. He was active but did not play. So, and then Naheem Hines, like two days ago, gets that contract extension. You look at the receivers in this team, there's obvious question marks, right? Michael Pittman, still unproven second year player. T.Y. Hilton's hurt. Paris Campbell, not a full time player, has injury concerns. With the way this receiver room is shaping up right now, we should start viewing He-Minds not as a running back in your flex, but as a receiver. I know he had nine yeah. carries in this game, so it's like, yes, he'll give you the, some of the rushing, but like, it hey, it's hard like to do game. with James White. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they clearly really value him, especially after that contract he, he just got. Mm-hmm. It was pretty encouraging to see. Like, if you told me nine minds at eight targets in this game, it led the team. I was like, oh, Jonathan Taylor probably cut two passes. But I mean, Taylor starting every week. What do you think of nine minds? Like, is he a weekly PPR flex, and you feel pretty safe about it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, I'll. I'll Bring it back to the James White comparison again. This is, is very reminiscent. Like we saw it last season, we'll probably see it again this year. Like he is a very similar version of 2019 James White. Like he's going to get on the field. He's going to be the third down back, and especially this training on the field more. I don't think he's going to you know, lead the team in targets every game. Uh, this was a. I was actually pretty disappointed in like you know Michael Pittman this game. I was expecting a lot more from him, but. I would expect a baseline four or five catches a game for Naheem Hines, which is more than enough for a flex in PPR format.
2: Yeah, Zach Pascal, who's filling in for T.Y. Hilton scores twice yep. in this game. His first touchdown was super impressive. Nobody's even talking about that. That was a really sick catch. Um, look, he's there are two wide sets are Pittman and Zach Pascal. I thought Zach Pascal has always been a kind of an underrated player, kind of in that Tim Patrick mold as just a, a player that's always buried in the depth chart but produces when yeah. he plays. We knew we know Ty Hilton's still going to miss some time. I think Pascal in deeper leagues is worth a look off waivers. Um, Paris Campbell, I if if you I would drop him and if in like redraftly, I just think he's
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah In my dentist's office.
2: and every down player. Um, but I'll just I'll close out this game by saying deeper leagues, three receiver leagues. Give Zach Pascal a look um, off waivers. Let's move on to the next game. It is the Chargers and Washington football team. 20-16 to 16 Chargers win this one. Uh, where do you want to start? I mean, I think both backfields are kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I think the most – honestly, this might be the most interesting thing of the day. Not only did Austin Eckler not record a catch – he didn't record a target. Wild and well. On top of that, scored a goal line touchdown. I don't know what the hell has gotten into this. Chargers this was back the
2: um, Twilight a, Zone. Austin correct, Eckler. Played. That's the exact. He had 15 opposite. carries. He had no targets. He had a goal line touchdown, and he had a second goal line carry.
1: Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to the goal line work. I would love that receiving work to come back.
2: Yeah, I think it's well, interesting, I, right? Herbert had yeah. forty-seven pass attempts, so it's not like they didn't throw a lot. But what did we hear all off season with this team with with Joe Lombardi? Mike Williams is that X. We want to the X and and Joe Lombardi's. He said the X in this offense has a huge role. We're going to use that player a lot. And first game of the season, Mike Williams twelve targets, one behind Keenan Allen. He has eight for eighty-two and a touchdown. If they're throwing the ball, because Mike Williams in this offense has been. Not a guy you've built, like, not a focal point. He's, you know, a splash, just, player, a, the, a the red zone target, guard. five, yep. six targets. He got 12. If he's actually be, like they're drawing plays for him and he's becoming a focal point, that's going to hurt Austin Eckler. Now, I'm not saying Austin Eckler is going to have zero target games. He's going to have plenty of five, six, but like, I don't know if we're going to see those games last year when he was healthy where he saw like eight to 12 targets. I don't like, th- Alvin yeah, Kamara I don't think it was
1: the, the Alvin Kamara upside. If that's the case.
2: Right. Well, I, and I think that could hurt. But again, I don't want to overreact. It's just one week. Yeah,
1: yeah I agree. It, it, like you said, it's one week. But again, you know, there is a chance that we could see consistent goal line work, which could help offset that. So you never like the value could still come from somewhere else. Um, another player who I think is just not, I don't want to say disrespected, just like people do not give Keen Allen enough credit. It's, it's every year. I feel like, I feel like nine. For 100 on 13 targets is like a standard stat line for him. His reception prop going into today was five and a half catches. I can't remember a game where he, in the last like two years, I, I bet under 15% of his games he finished with under six catches. He's just the most, not the most, one of the most reliable possession receivers in the league. And I, like I, a bona fide wide receiver one.
2: Yeah. He, he was his price tag I on loved, DraftKings you know. was absurd, absurdly low. Yep. Uh, and he and Mike Williams combined for like 54% of their targets in this game. So, uh, very, very nice to see there. Um, for Washington, Antonio Gibson, we, we see in the preseason when he's on the field, he's getting the football 20 carries, yep. 90 yards. He adds three catches for 18 yards. He played on, I think, three third downs in this game. JD McKissick played on eight. So, again, it's not awful for him. Um, you're starting him every week. I, th- I I don't care that he's not going to have a lot of like six, seven catch games. Potentially, I love the usage from Antonio Gibson, and he looked really good in this game. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to miss some time. He suffers an injury in this game. Taylor Heineke came in and looked pretty looked good. good. And like Heineke is an aggressive quarterback, so it's not going to be an Alex Smith, Kyle Allen situation when he's when he's under center, that incredible catch by Terry McLaurin came with with Heineke under center. That catch, um, the
1: estimate that Terry McLaurin had to make on that catch was ridiculous.
2: I tweeted that that was legitimately one of the best catches I've ever seen. But to like, keep it was that good
1: inbounds. Like I mean, the throw was. I feel like Heineke was closer to the opposite hash mark when he threw the ball. Like, it was just everything about it was just beautiful. Um, but Heineke did look good. Like you mentioned it. Logan Thomas didn't really have any involvement, almost any involvement in the first half. And then Heineke came in and he didn't even pepper him. He had three for 30 and a touchdown, but he regained a bit of a role. I just, I don't know. Like, again, this is a, you know, there were 21 pass attempts in this game. I don't, I would expect that number to rise. I don't know if it's going to get to 35, but I think we can probably boost McLaurin. Logan Thomas, I don't know if I feel comfortable with any of the other receiver. Cam Sims,
2: yeah, I, I think Diami Brown is an interesting, like deeply just he did. stash.
1: He to the target. Yeah,
2: yeah, he played, he played like an every down role, which was a question mark even with Curtis Samuel out. If it was going to be more Humphreys or mm-hmm. Diami Brown, or like you said, mixing uh, Cam Simmons. but he played a lot in this game, so the the production obviously wasn't there, but. Yeah. And and deeper leagues. Don't start him yet, obviously, but I think you can pick up uh Diami Brown and, and super flex leagues. Taylor Heineke's out there. Go for it for sure. Um all right. Still have a handful of games left. Let's go to Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Let's get this let's get this out of the way. One of the worst games I've watched the Bills play in a long time. Uh they lose twenty three to sixteen. Penalties drops and it was just it was really bad. Um we we got another surprise healthy scratch Zach Moss um didn't play in this game Singletary eleven carries for seventy two yards a lot of that came late in the game with the Steelers playing a zone coverage against the Bills who were trying to get back in the game late uh, Singletary ripped off like a thirty yard run the Steelers game plan defensively like they were prepared they stopped the the oh, yeah. the the quarterback draws from Josh Allen they limited Stephon Diggs in terms of his efficiency he had nine catches on fourteen targets for sixty nine yards. They, they just did a great job in this game. Gabriel Davis scores a touchdown because he's good at football. I mean, is this a situation where just the Bills played bad, Josh Allen didn't have it, they'll be better, good defense. Like, the Steelers' pass rush, dom- pass rush dominated this game. I think Deion Dawkins, their left tackle, had, like, three holding penalties. It, their offensive line struggled this one.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, I, we mentioned it before going on air. I think the Bills played almost as bad as they could have made they still missed keeping things. So now, those things are going to go off, and for the large part of the game, the whole game was a dud. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll see the Bills like this. I actually think the Bills are going to go nuts next week.
2: So do I. So, I'm like, I'm not worried about digs. I'm not worried about Josh Allen. Not worried about anybody from Buffalo. Uh, Gabriel Davis was clearly behind Sanders in playing time. Uh, Sanders had a couple drops in this game. It wasn't a great game for Manuel Sanders. Again, it was just a sloppy game from Buffalo um, for Pittsburgh. Najee Harris, he played every single snap for this team. He handled every single running back touch. He had, I think, eight, uh, 17 of them, uh, 19 opportunities. He had three targets, almost had a touchdown. He probably should have had a receiving touchdown. Um, the Bills run defense, I talked about it. They're going to be improved this year. Uh, they did a great job here. You, but that's the workload you like to see from Najee Harris. Yep. Um, Deontay Johnson. In case you somehow still didn't understand it, the all offseason he's clearly the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh. Five for thirty-six and a touchdown on ten targets.
1: And he also, I don't want to hear anything about the drops. Like his touchdown, he caught two. That was dope. I think that was a a, a ball he would have dropped last year. Back corner of the end zone, he bobbled it a bit, like got his toes in. Um, Again, like you said, he is the wide receiver one. He left for a little bit with an injury. Um, Obviously, that's, frankly, really the only thing that ever holds him back.
2: Yeah, and Juju, eight targets. Claypool, I have to go back and watch. I want to go back and watch a lot of this game to see how much the Steelers did run twelve personnel because it was a pretty huge storyline for the preseason because they're running it a lot since they have Pat Frymuth now and they want to use that to kind of help their offensive line struggles. Uh, but you look at the snaps; I mean, Frymuth actually played more snaps than Ebron. He played almost thirty. Ebron played twenty-seven, uh, and Claypool was pretty—he was pretty far behind Juju and Deontay in snaps. So I'm—I'm I'm assuming my take that it was going to be Juju and Deontay in two wide sets was true. So yeah. Claypool, I, I think Claypool, there's a chance he could be a bust this year. I really do. He I played do. I think well he's in a this game. Player. Yeah, he played well in this game when he got targeted. He actually, I'm not, even, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, he made a ridiculous catch over Tre'Davious White. But his usage is going to be inconsistent, and that touchdown rate last year was high. So Claypool, I'm a little worried about him. But again, like you said, both offenses struggled. So there's going to be games of the Steelers' passing offense. Will explode and Claypool have a huge game here and there for sure. Anything else from this game? Yeah, I just, I don't think,
1: you know, the biggest thing is remembering that it's week one and avoiding overreacting. I've seen, I've already seen a lot of Najee Harris overreactions. Like he's playing every single down. Yeah, I would not. That's exactly what I, what you want. (laughs) Like you, there. There are very, very like you. the only other running backs doing that are Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon. That's it. Yeah, you that is company you want to be in. Do not sell Najee Harris. That's the only thing I'm going to say.
2: Carolina Panthers 19, New York Jets 14. Let's start with the Jets and I'll make this quick. Do we yep. care about anybody on the Jets outside of Corey Davis, who has five for 97 and two touchdowns? You can throw in Elijah Moore, who was a complete dud in this game. One of the most popular DFS plays at, uh, on the, on the, on the slate, but he was a pretty much every down player with Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole yep. out. But if they're back next week, that obviously hurts. So do right now, do we care about anybody in fantasy on this team other than Corey Davis? No. Yeah, I the backfield's a mess.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, this team is going to ebb and flow, as Zach Wilson does. We saw two different Zach Wilsons. He was a very effective quarterback in the second half. He looked awful in the first half, and like that's going to bleed over to the receivers. I want to limit my exposure. Corey Davis is the one piece that I know I can trust here.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think we need to go too much further into that. For the Panthers, Chris McCaffrey's back and touching the football 30 times. Literally thirty touches from McCaffrey.
1: We have like one hundred and eighty scrimmage yards or something like that.
2: Yeah, he didn't score a touchdown. Scored like thirty fantasy points. Nine Sugar. for eighty nine, and through the air twenty one for ninety eight on the ground. He is the the biggest cheat code in fantasy. He didn't even score a touchdown. Like he's just
1: good to have I you back. Worry. Like I just like. St- I don't know why people reach and and think like he's a risk. For injury, like he had one year where he was hurt. Like, this
2: man is the best fantasy player in the world right now. Where does he rank all time? Like, LaDanian Tomlinson, cool. Marshall Falk. That's tough. Um, Jamal Charles is up like McCaffrey's better than Jamal Charles, but Jamal, yeah, like,
1: he's not, he's not, I will, he's not like AP. Um,
2: McCaffrey might be the fantasy, best. probably like back end of the top five. I would say he's inside the top five. No, I, I, I'm, saying
1: like, I'm saying like four or
2: five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Um, For the receivers, Robbie Anderson, three targets, but he made it count. 57 yard touchdown catch. DJ Moore was the wide receiver one here. Uh, six for 80 on eight targets. He had a 14 yard run. I was encouraged by DJ Moore's usage. He okay. had targets in the intermediate downfield, short area targets. Like he was kind of used how I wanted to be used. And Terrace Marshall had a couple catches, but he's clearly the wide receiver three in terms of targets. Well, not targets in this game, but in terms of playing time, he's not playing in two wide sets. So Marshall, an ideal elite player to have on your bench, but I'm not starting him right now. Uh, but I wasn't pretty, I was pretty encouraged by DJ Moore here who gets the Saints next week who might be without we Mar- or probably going to be without Marshawn Lattimore, who apparently suffered a thumb injury today.
1: Yeah, he was laboring today. Marshawn Lattimore, that is. Um, yeah, I love DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson's gonna be the home run threat and he has a connection with Darnold. But like this there are weapons in this offense, and Darnold looked good. Like he really looked
2: good. Yeah, the fumble? Yeah, look, the fumble. yeah, he did look, look solid. Um so for me, DJ Moore is like a top fifteen to seventeen receiver each week. Anderson's gonna be that twenty five to thirty range and not quite there starting Terrence marshall yet, but um, you know, this offense should have had a better day, but um, I like the overall usage, and obviously McCaffrey yeah. is a ridiculous, ridiculous player. Arizona 38, Tennessee 13. This game was high scoring. The problem was it was only on one end. Um, Kyler Murray, my goodness, 289 and four touchdowns through the air. He adds 20 yards and a rushing touchdown on the ground, so five touchdowns for Kyler. Hopkins, six for 83 and two touchdowns. I don't think we need to talk about these two. They're both up uh, Top five at their position, maybe top three. Um, but the backfield, I'm glad we have some clarity. And by yep. clarity, I mean we have none at all. Nothing it was
1: absolutely nothing. <laughs>
2: a Pretty clear split. Edmonds was the starter. They're gonna rotate series like we saw in the preseason. When they got in close in this game, it was James Connor who had sixteen carries to Edmonds twelve, but Connor had um a handful of carries kind of salting the game away at the end. Um yep. but it's clearly a split. Their snaps were nearly identical. Um, Edmonds is going to be the passing downs back Connor didn't have a target in this game Edmonds caught all four of his for 43 yards Edmonds is a PPR flex Connor is a half PPR lower end flex for the time being
0: Yeah,
1: I think this is going to be one of those backfields that is completely contingent on game script you know if if this game went as we were projecting prior to kickoff I think Edmonds would have had a much bigger game but if the Cardinals are running out and just controlling the game from start to finish. Connor's probably going to rack up a, a ton of carries. So I, I'm fine. With, I, both of them should be rostered PPR format. I agree. Favor, um, favor Edmonds. I think standard and, and half. You can get away with Connor. I also, you know, I'm, I was, I was pleased with Rondell Moore's usage and involvement in this game. Same. Yeah. I mean, he was, Five targets, four for 68, five targets. He had uh, his 29-yard catch was just about all after the catch, too. Um, I, I think that he's going to continue to carve out a significant slot role. My only concern is, obviously, we see Christian Kirk in the slot. Christian Kirk had a phenomenal game, but this is this one of those Christian Kirk games where he ropes you back in and just disappears for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, he clearly was way behind A.J. Green and snaps in this game. And I think Rondell's playing time is only going to improve and increase yeah. over the course of the season. So yeah, don't I? I wouldn't even pick up Christian Kirk if he's out there. Honestly, he also um, just had a
1: huge mismatch in the slot. He's much bigger, um, excuse me, faster. But again, I would take at least two receivers on this team over Christian Kirk.
2: Yeah, I can't disagree. Um, Cardinals just dominate this game. Um, Chandler Jones, by the way. I mean, holy hello. Cow. <laughs> you think well, the Cardinals' defense looked really good because this this I is mean you have very, pass rushers to mask the secondary and like I mean not only, not only did Chandler Jones looked good but
1: J.J. Watt looked really good.
2: I like, say Simmons really, looked really good too. Um, yeah, they got speed, man, and he got Buda Baker back there still. I mean, holy cow!
1: Chandler Jones had six tackles, five sacks, and four of his tackles were for loss. Holy cow!
2: Yeah, he just dominated. He absolutely dominated this game. (laughs) Tannehill, I was so high on Tannehill in this Tennessee passing offense, like pretty much everybody was, and it just didn't happen. Um, AJ Brown got there, luckily, but the timing with Julio and Tannehill wasn't there. Um, Derrick Henry Henry got stuffed from the one-yard line twice in a row, which is not something you see very often. Um, And
1: Derrick Henry also had three catches on four targets, which is not something you see very often.
2: Yeah, I guess Derek Henry and Austin Eckler had polar opposite games, huh? Or close is, to it, at least.
1: Yeah, we week one was the Twilight Zone, like you said. Are
2: we worried about any player on the Titans? And any not, player I'm, meaning I'm, Tannehill, Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio? I'm not. I think this was
1: a very abnormal game for all of them, Tannehill included. You know, Tannehill's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league since he came over to Tennessee. This was probably one of his least efficient games. I am still sky high on this entire offense.
2: Um it's it's just a fluke game. Uh, it was just not a fluke. Like the Cardinals just beat, beat the, beat the brakes off of them, but Which it car, just
1: was, like the Cardinals, if they hit their ceiling this year, are going to be a very, very, very good team.
2: Yeah. The is so good.
1: Yeah. That's the problem.
2: Let's go to the AFC East, Miami 17, New England 16. As we go to the four o'clock games. Um, Mac Jones looked fine in this game, 281 in a touchdown. The touchdown went to uh, Aguilar. James White, back to being a a trustworthy PPR option. He has six catches on seven targets for 49 yards. Both the tight ends were used, as you'd expect. And then Damian Harris was the clear lead back, 23 carries. He has 23 of the 27 running back carries for the Patriots. He looked really good in this game. Started off with a 35-yard run to first play of the game did lose a fumble here. Ramondre Stevenson also lost a fumble. Um, what are your thoughts on the Patriots here? I mean, Harris even caught a couple passes with with Mac Jones on the center, two catches for 17 yards.
1: Yeah, so I've I've been sky high on Damian Harris all offseason, um even before you know, Sony Michelle got shipped out. 23 I mean, his usage is going completely under the radar. 23 carries, two catches, he had 10 targets, seven catches all of last year. Two carries, or excuse me, two catches, three targets this year. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to have involvement every every week, but he has the upside to have at least some involvement. Now, my only concern here, I understand that Stevenson lost a fumble and so did Damian Harris, but the nature of Damian Harris's fumble was a whole lot worse. There were two and a half minutes left. They were in the red zone, down by one. It, we've seen Belichick just completely spell running backs for stuff like this. I don't think they will, given how effective he was prior to that. But I do have some concerns, you know, if we see another fumble, will they entertain a bit of a committee more? I don't think so. I think if they would have had that idea in mind, Ramondra Stevenson would have seen more than one carry. Because he's he's the back like Brandon Bolden is not a a threat to Damian Harris's workload
2: at all. James no, White. he's a special, is not he's a special team up. player. Correct. He's, he's been a special teams player for them for like five years. Now. Correct. So
1: I, Damian Harris, to me, in standard formats and, and half PPR, a rock-solid RB2. PPR, he's a back-end RB2. For me, that hasn't changed. Because, I mean, 23 carries, 100 yards. He could easily have a two – this could have easily been a two-touchdown game for him. And yeah, they didn't – I,
2: I don't think they had a goal-to-go goal carry in this game. They got close. They, they got no, they to like the eight – and then, well, and no, then Aguilar yeah, had the
1: was at like, Oh, his might have been at like the 11 or 12 or since Fumble.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It was right yeah, outside. It
2: was, the it was, yeah, it was definitely in the red zone. Um, But yeah, I think you feel good about James White. Yep. Jacoby Myers d- does lead the team in targets with nine, so I think he, I think he and Aguilar are both like wide receiver fours and deeper league flex plays that you can not feel terrible about if you have to start them. Um, my- I actually like Aguilar a lot. He'll, he's one of the guys I'm writing up in my waiver piece right now. Like,
1: uh, he's not going to lead the team in targets. I mean, he he can. He's. I still think Jacoby Myers is more the possession receiver, but. You know 10.3 yards per target, 14.4 yards per reception. Like, he is the big play receiver here, and he had a pretty good year in, in, in Vegas last year. Where I think if, if Mac Jones looks as I think poise is probably the way I would, I would put Mac Jones today. And he looked, he didn't look like a rookie. Um, if he continues to do that, I think Aguilar will be a fine flex play on by weeks and things like that.
2: Anything from Miami, obviously, Wolf suspended suspended this game, so he didn't play I, like. The I running back them
1: usage. Them are the yeah. Like, I mean, the, the big takeaway here, I think Jalen wild is going to be really, really good in this league.
2: Yeah, he had a good game. Four for 61 and the touchdown. His touchdown catch was pretty impressive. He They did like a play where they get him in motion, and then he did like a rollout to the left, and two a throw to him, and he made the effort to reach for the, for the end zone. Obviously, Fuller is going to be back next week. So we'll see what that offense, what this offense, looks like with Parker Fuller and Waddle. Miles Gaskin nine carries for forty nine yards. Malcolm Brown had five. Savon Achmed had three. Gaskin did dominate the passing downs work, which is pretty interesting. We thought Malcolm Brown might be like a third down back, goal line back, and um, Gaskin did get five of the receptions. He's been kind of up and down in terms of how people view him for fantasy, especially during the preseason. Uh, where are you at on Miles Gaskin?
1: Of holding steady. I don't know if this this game was a very low pace game, very low scoring, just no production in general. They only ran the ball twenty three times and had five different people have a carry, two of them being quarterbacks. So if you're looking just at, like you said, just at the running backs, Gaskin has a good hold of that backfield. Plus the five catches, I'm um, you know, fourteen touches over seventy yards in this in, in a game this ugly. I'm, I'm wholly steady
2: on I mean, him as a, as a, just a, a fine RB too. All right. Couple games left. 33, 29 chiefs over the Browns. Cleveland got off to a dominant start in this game. Yeah. Um, Nick Chubb goes for 83 yards and two touchdowns on 15 carries. He had two catches as well. So you'll take that. But, um, you know, Kareem hunt still played a lot in this game. Six carries for 33 yards and a touchdown three for 28. He played a lot in two minute drills and everything like that. um, but, like, it was weird. Like, Cleveland had a lot of really uh, like long plays in this game. I mean, Baker averaged 11.5 yards per attempt. They ripped off, you know, they ripped off 5.5 yards per carry between Chubb and Hunt. And, like, they just didn't have a lot of sustained drives where Chubb was going to get, like, 25 carries in this game. But they, this this Cleveland offensive line, I mean, Jedrick Wells did get hurt in this game. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But Wyatt Teller and, like, they just created a ton of huge... Running lanes. Um, so I don't think we go to, we leave this game feeling different about Chubb and Hunt. You're starting both most weeks, especially Chubb, and you feel good about Hunt and PPR leagues. Um, most weeks Odell Beckham was out for this game. So Jarvis Landry five for 71 on five targets adds a rushing touchdown. Um, I don't know. I like Cleveland ran a ton of three tight, two and three tight end sets like usual. The one thing I will say that stood out is Donovan Peoples Jones didn't play as the number two re- receiver. It was Anthony Schwartz, their speedster rookie. He actually looked pretty good in this game. Uh three for 69. Other than that, though, I don't really have a lot of takeaways from Cleveland. We'll move to Kansas City. I mean, nothing to say on Tyreek or Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. They're all amazing. The production wasn't great from Clyde Edwards Alaire, but he dominated this night. He played like over 70% of the snaps, had over 90% of the running back touches. I, I don't think he's going to have top five upside. I just think they don't give him the like the greatest touches for fantasy. He doesn't get goal line work as much as you think because they just don't run down there. They're not a, running the ball a lot anyway. But you'll take three for 29 in the passing game. Like I think he's going to be a really solid RB2. And even though I thought he would have RB1 upside this year, I'm starting to wonder if he's going to be able to finish and have the upside of a top 10 running back. If he's not getting... A ton of receptions. And that was the huge thing for Clyde coming out of LSU, was he was such a good pass catcher, and now he's in an Andy Reid offense. Like he he has not had a really great role in the passing game. And that's obviously really hurting his upside. So I think he's gonna be fine. I'm not like freaking out, but I, I just I'm starting to question if the massive, like, league winning top seven upside is really there with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It still could be. I th- still think he's a talented player and the offense is as good as it gets, but he's got to get the goal line work, which I think he will over Darrell Williams, but they they do so many different things inside. They they ran a shovel pass play to an offensive lineman today over giving the ball to Clyde Edwards hilaire And we saw last year they did the same thing with Kelsey and they obviously Mahomes will run in, so it's uh, there's a lot. Joe, do we have you now? I think. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're, Joe's back. Right. Sorry, there's been some nasty
1: weather, um, but yeah, I, I was actually able to hear what you said about Cleveland and everything, and and Kansas City, and I am in lockstep. I think both of these teams kind of performed how we you know pro- projected and expected them to. Um, I really think. There's two takeaways here. One, for me, agreed with you. I think we would want to see what this passing attack for Cleveland looks like with Odell involved because he will have a big role. The other, on the other side, if Tyreek Hill turns into a volume receiver, I don't know. Like, I, I will continue to be on the Devonte Adams overall wide receiver one train, but I think if Tyreek Hill turns into a possession receiver and a volume receiver in addition to that big play upside. He could very easily just run away with the overall wide receiver one status.
2: Yeah. Especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay halfway through the season. <laughs> he might leave Green Bay tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that game, I, I wrapped up right before he got back in on Clyde Tolera. I like, I think he's going to be fine. He played over 70% of the snaps, had over 90% mm-hmm. of the running back touches. I just, I question if he has that top 10 upside that I thought he might have because they just, they do so many different things to not give him the ball in close. They ran a shovel pass to an offensive lineman today. They just, they don't run the ball a high rate. His receiving work is not as high as we thought it would be coming out of college. So I think he's like a fine RB two. I just, I'm starting to question if he's going to have that top 10 potential uh, in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And it, you know, I've been holding out hope for him for now to not two seasons, a little over a season. And I'm at a point now where, I'm fine if he's my RB two or flex if I have running back depth, but if he's like one of two running backs I'm starting, I have a receiver in the flex, and I'm thin at the rest of my running back position, I'd probably be a little uneasy and try and find some depth for, for uh, Clyde. All right,
2: thirty-eight-three, Saints over the Packers. Just move on, Packers. Next week you have Detroit. Things will be better.
1: Yes, there are two theories that I have here. Uh, The first one. Tampa Bay got absolutely shelled by New Orleans last week in, or last year in week one. And they won the Super Bowl. So either Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers just watched the film and said, you know what? This is we, we found the Konami the, the cheat code and we're going to use it. Um, or this is just a game to just like write off. Like I I don't you know, I saw a lot of stuff spiraling on Twitter, like, oh, Aaron Rodgers threw these fits in the offseason. He doesn't even want to be there, blah, blah, blah. Like Aaron Rodgers is not coming out and throwing football games. He didn't look good. He looked rusty and you know, he is a veteran, but he again did not play a second in the preseason. He wasn't very active in camp. This team will be fine. I'm personally not happy with it because of how much money I bet on the Packers in this game. I bet money with one of my buddies who was like super confident in the saints. And I was like, you're an idiot. They're going to get crushed. And then I was the idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think this team's fine. Um, I think you're still starting Devontae Adams every week, obviously, Aaron Jones every week, Aaron Rodgers every week. I still think you should have – I think MVS should be rostered. Um, I know he's not a, a – like it's, it's more of a deeper league play, but I think MVS has warrant in you know, a typical 12-team PPR league. I, we've seen the issues with drops and stuff, and you and I go back to the argument and how, how baseless it is, but if Aaron Rodgers is talking you up, you are going to get looks and get opportunities in the offense. It's just how the Packers work. And we've seen MVS's big playability. So I'm, I think he's worthy of a roster spot as well.
2: For the Saints, Alvin Kamara still good at football. 20 carries, though. We've now seen Alvin Kamara get 20 yeah. carries dating back to the to last season in three of his last four games. That's very, 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 very scary thought for fantasy football if he's getting 20 carries. Now, he only had three catches for eight yards, but he did score a touchdown. But yeah, I mean, it's clear that first of all, they were ahead in this game. But like Tony Jones, I thought, looked great in this game. He had 11 catch- like it's it's Tony Jones getting Latavius Murray role. But the only difference is Kamara is now maybe getting a couple extra carries per game. Starting Kamara every week. Tony Jones needs to be rostered in 100 percent of leagues. Marquez Callaway was, in my opinion, and I, listen, I I didn't have the greatest DFS day. Don't get me wrong. I th- I thought Marquez Callaway was the easiest fade since I started yep. playing DFS today. Yep, yep. It's I just,
1: mean, he had Jair Alexander on him literally all game.
2: Right, and it wasn't even just that. It was the fact that the that range of receivers was loaded this week. Well, yeah, that's right. and yeah, Jameis threw five touchdowns on twenty pass attempts, but like it just it just didn't seem like he should have been as chalky, but. Um, the opportunity was there, the routes were there, but the touchdowns went to Deontay Harris on a long pass. And then two went to Juwan Johnson, which Debros probably hyped about said, this could be this year's Robert Tunyon. And again, I want to see the snaps and everything and the routes for these, uh, for him and Troutman, but Troutman did have six targets. Uh, Hogan scores a t- Like we're not starting Deontay Harris or Hogan, but Juwan Johnson, he'll probably be on, in some waiver articles. And I think it makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah. He's actually headlining mine. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say Juwan Johnson is going to be a bona fide wide or a tight end one. I'm not going to say he's an every week start, but I think you know three targets is is not anything to write home about. But like the context here, 15 percent target share. You know, Jameis Winston very uncharacteristically only attempted 20 passes, only had to cause he threw five touchdowns, and they controlled the game from start to finish. Two of those targets were end zone targets, and he he's a massive mismatch because he's a converted wide receiver. So he has a lot more speed than a traditional tight end does, which will give linebackers fits. I You know, they don't have many options in this passing game. I think even if Camara does see an uptick in volume, I think we'll see the saints kind of flirt more towards that 35 to 40 pass attempt range, not 20 to 30 more often than not, which will help Juwan Johnson, especially if he becomes the, the go-to end zone option. I think he, Because of how scarce the position is, he needs to be rostered. That's kind of where I put it right now.
2: Yeah, just keep an eye. He's tight end eligible on some sites, wide receiver eligible on others. Um, But yeah, he needs to be. He definitely needs to be looked at. Um, And yeah, Tony Jones. I thought he. I thought he ran really well in this game. We'll see. I mean, the Saints obviously aren't going to do this every week. That was just. It's just you know one of those week one games where. Team like we saw the Packers, Titans, and Bills—all three teams that I expect to be good this year just didn't really show up today. That's going to happen. Yep. Last game, then we're out of here. Broncos twenty-seven, Giants thirteen. Let's start with the awful news. I guess yeah. it's not as bad as it could have been, but Jerry Judy high ankle sprain. That the injury looked really bad at first, um, but X-rays were negative. He he has been listed with a high ankle sprain, so he's probably going to miss four or five weeks at the minimum. He was on his way to a really good game too, six for 72 on seven targets. What does this do for Denver? I thought Bridgewater looked pretty good in this game as well. Cortland Sutton with a massive dud one for 14 on three targets, but now he's going to have to step up and play an even larger role with Judy expected to be out. KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick who scored in this game. And then obviously Noah fan at tight end.
1: Yeah, I won. I think high ankle sprain in this situation is good news. I, when I saw the play, I thought he was going to be done for the year. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm, sounds weird to say I'm happy that it's a high ankle sprain, but I am relative to the context. I think this makes Tim Patrick a very strong waiver wire play. We saw Tim Patrick show effectiveness last towards the tail end of last season. Um, I think he'll, he did today you know, four for 39 and touchdown. I think volume wise, that'll kind of be reminiscent of what we can expect going forward. Maybe a little more. Um, I, I also think this paves a path for Noah Fant to have a very, very role in as a player that, and we've kind of waited on for what two seasons now. I think now he finally has the opportunity. What I'm really curious about is his backfield. Take away, okay, take away Melvin Gordon's 70 yard touchdown run. He still had hit 10 carries for 31 yards. If you take that away, that's you know, that's still ten of the twenty-four running back touches in this game. Like I are you starting either of these guys on a week to week basis? I don't know if I can.
2: If I'm in a pinch, probably, especially given the matchup. If it's if it's favorable, Um, Denver has Jacksonville next week.
1: Oh, that's true. Okay. And we saw if if Mark Ingram can do what he did to Jacksonville.
2: These guys, yeah. I mean, (laughs) but I mean, they just gave up three different running back touchdowns. So if Jacksonville's backfield or if Houston's backfield can do it against Jacksonville, why can't Denver's? Um, but Javante Williams did lead the team in carries, like you said. Um I think you feel good about Sutton going into next week against a team that's allowed 11, uh, 10 100-yard games to receivers last year and already allowed one this year. Uh Patrick and, and Hamler will, will be on the radar, though, as well, again, assuming Judy's out. Um For the Giants, Saquon Barkley makes his return, played just under 50% of the snaps, 10 carries, 26 yards um one catch so didn't do much but he was healthy It's all that matters they're going to ease him in you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to be patient with saquon barkley
1: yeah i agree i think you're gonna have to be patient with him and i also think you're going to have to expect more volatility with him than the other top end running backs because of this offense like not only is i i think daniel jones is like an incompetent quarterback i i really do like 40 turnovers in 28 games. I just, and on top of that, a very bad offensive line. Like Barkley is going to have ceiling games and his, he's going to have floor games, but his floor is much lower than someone like an Alvin Kamara, a Christian McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook. You're still starting him every week. There's absolutely no argument there. Even week two, when he's still probably scaled back a bit, you're starting him. But I, I think you should just be aware of his floor. Um, I really, really like what I saw. From Sterling Shepard here, um, led the team in targets. Darius Slayton at seven to Shepard's nine. Galladay only six. The one question here, do you see? I mean, I feel like Galladay has to kind of regress to the mean a bit and become the alpha, right? Or do you think Sterling Shepard will be Daniel Jones's favorite target given the rapport they have?
2: I mean, Shepard's back playing the slot where he's always been more efficient in his career. Yep. So Very I'm not true. saying he's a better player than Kenny Galladay, but I just think he fits this offense better if the offensive line continues to struggle to protect and, and Daniel Jones can't, uh, get time. The, he tried to get Galladay in the, I think Galladay had a couple end zone targets in a row. I think one might have went to Slayton too. So they tried to get him, but, um, I think Galladay's gonna have spike weeks and he's gonna have, I mean, this, this isn't a bad, Like four for 64 is fine, but, um, I think there's gonna be a lot of games in this offense where, yeah, Shepard does, does lead the team in targets. Um, So I think he again, um, they got Washington next week. So it's not great. And I think I think there is a path unless if we don't get if we don't get kind of reports that Barkley's usage is going to be wrapped up. There is a path to where you could sit Barkley next week. But I do think it's it'd be shocking if his if his work wasn't uh, increased next week. But it's it's hard. It's hard to bench him, obviously. I would assume Uh, maybe today because there were some reports about it, maybe not being a full workload. And the matchup wasn't great, but week two it's going to be tough.
1: I would probably expect him to cross that fifty percent snap threshold, um, closer to maybe sixty percent. But again, unless I think unless you hear something otherwise, you're you're starting him.
2: All right, that'll do it. And the Rams right now are dominating the Bears. Stafford's having a monster game. The Rams look like a legitimate contender. I know they're playing the Bears, but they. I mean, they were. What Stafford to be a does
1: for this offense. We've like, already
2: seen it. Cooper Cups had a long touchdown pass. Van Jefferson had a long touchdown. Yeah. Like we're already seeing it. So um Yeah, we got one more game. Week one was fun. Appreciate Joe. Joe's gonna be on this podcast, not every Sunday with me, I don't think, but he'll be on a handful. Yep. It helps me out, so I'll have to sit here and talk to myself for an hour and twenty minutes. Uh but Joe, plug what you got going on at FTN uh Monday throughout the week. And we'll be back on the NBA podcast on Tuesday, I believe. And I probably yeah. shouldn't show up because Zach Graham's gonna going to troll me about the Steelers win.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, so obviously we have the NBA ramping up. Uh, NBA season starts in about a month, which is kind of crazy. But for NFL, every Monday at fantasy.com, I have my waiver wear article. Um, I have prize picks, super draft, and a ton of FTM bets, betting content throughout the week in addition to the DFS cheat sheet. So you can literally find me on, on every single FTM site.
2: Awesome. Appreciate it. Hopefully everybody had a good week one. Uh um, Mine was a little bit up and down. Could have been better. I feel like they can all always be better. But uh again, hopefully you guys had some success. If not, we'll crush in week two. Appreciate everybody listening as always. Have a good Monday. We'll be back deeper and I'll be back on Tuesday for the Wave Wire edition of the Fade the Chalk podcast presented, of course, by the FTN Network. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at D-B-R-O underscore F-F-B at A-P-Pfeiffer 24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.